Okay. All right, folks, the recording has started. All right, today we are very fortunate on this April 5th to have real estate extraordinaire, now VP of the Mike Ferry organization, okay, um, Tony Smith. Tony, welcome to the show today. <laughs> How are Thank you? Thank you so much for having me in. All right. Cool. And uh, so tell us, Tony, you know, I know, um, you know, I've seen you going to Mike Ferry events for years and so forth as a top real estate agent. So let's start there. Tell me a little about yourself, how long you've been doing this, maybe some production levels, that type of thing, please. Yeah, so I've been at it, uh, licensed for 33 years. I've uh, been hanging around Mike for 31. Um, started out, like most real estate agents, as an absolute complete failure at it. <laughs> Didn't do much for the first <laughs> two or three years, <laughs> right? <laughs> Didn't do much at all. Um, Ran into uh, Mike a little bit by accident. Uh, the broker that I was working for uh, gave me kind of an ultimatum one day. She walked into my little cubicle and she said, Tony, uh, have you ever heard of Mike Ferry? And I said, no. And she said, well, you've got, you've got really two choices. You, you go with me to this event that's down in Newport uh, next week or you don't work here any longer. And so I ended up I ended up going to see Micah, you know, kind of under, you know, by force and uh, went down to see him and, and uh, you know, it connected right away. It was perfect timing for me and started moving along, you know, so um, and that was 31 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I met Mike in either 89 or 90. I always forget which one, but uh, I think it was 1990, actually, my first I saw, no, I saw him in an event for Remax in 89, and then I went to see him in 90, and then I did the Superstar Retreat ever since then. So I don't know how long that is, but it's quite a while. That was right about the so we were right on the same path, pretty much the exact same yeah. path. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember uh, when I was doing the um, – hold on one second here, Tony. Uh, we have yeah, people no joining, which is, which is great. I, I think – okay, so – they, they jumped off. So um, I, and I think one, I, I don't know about you, but when I was sitting there, it was like, oh, my God, there is a different way to do this. I can. And you got, I got super excited and changed everything. And I'm sure you went through that same process. Yep. Yeah, it was almost come back and had a restart of my real estate career. So. Right. So what are the things yeah. that you did? Uh, like, what did you what were the first things you jumped into? Well, for me, the first big realization was that I had no idea what skill set was. I didn't know anything about scripts and dialogues. I didn't have any skill whatsoever. And at the same time, I had a huge ego and a, and a, and a very lack of confidence in myself at the same time, okay, um, especially when it came to presenting and prospecting and all those things. I just didn't have any of those skills. So for me, it was a matter of, uh, jumping in, I started, um, you know, it was like two hours a day, uh, one hour in the morning working on uh, telephone scripts and objection handlers, and one hour after every afternoon working on the listing presentation and the objection handlers. And the first two years, I spent just most of my time involved with the skill set. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the, um, um, and, and so did that, so you were the, so there's two types of people, right? The type that want to get on the phone and get better while doing it, and the other ones that want to be really good before they get on. It sounds like you wanted to really master um, your skill set 
before you implemented it, or did you do both simultaneously? I was doing both, but I really my interest was more in the skill set. I was floundering a little bit at getting on the phone. Um, you know, I jumped into uh, the earliest, you know, early, early on coaching programs, business planning, and those things. But I wasn't a stellar prospector in the beginning. Um, all the fears and anxiety and all those things about it was just because of, of no skill set. And so I was trying to prospect, but my real intent was working on the skills. Ah, so, you, you, so you've been around since the business planning days when you remember Steve Scholl and all those yep, really yep. early days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, early days, yeah. Yeah, I remember him yeah. as my coach, and uh, it was pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and were you – okay, so do you remember the year – there was two years, actually, where Mike had the panel up on the stage. Do you remember those two years? I do, vaguely. I'm trying to think of who um, – you know, I know Mike had to scramble around to find people at those times, right? So yeah. I do vaguely remember those, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. I, it was, and I remember the first Baltimore uh, superstar retreat on the East Coast with Jane. Oh God, I can't remember her last name right now. But um, you know, we It's been um, it's been interesting. Like I, I remember going to Newport Beach when it was called the seventy five plus retreat, which is now your yep. your production retreat. You remember that <laughs> in the yep, Newport yep. Marriott. <laughs> And I'm, I was like, wow, it was incredible. It was 75 plus. Then it was 100 plus. And then it grew into one-on-one. -on -one, and now the production, you guys call it the production uh, retreat. Or the production like that, retreat right? to start the year. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I, wouldn't even, I couldn't even stay at the Marriott. I had to stay at some cheap hotel around the corner, you know, and have to work <laughs> back and forth. I couldn't afford to stay at the Marriott when they were having it there, right? So the early days. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. I remember, um, I remember going, you know, cause I was, uh, when I met Mike, I was already doing like, you know, 25, 30 deals and I was rookie of the year on my board and thought it was hot stuff. And then I went there and I was like, Oh my God, this has got to be illegal to do this much business. And <laughs> right. So tell us a little bit yep. about your production and experience. Well, okay. So you, you fell in love with the concept right away. You started working on your skills and get, so how did you implement it and what kind of production jumps did you have? Well, yeah, and I, you know, it, looking back on it, ring, so much of it rings true now, um, you know, there was a, the biggest challenge for me was to break through 50 deals. And, and you know, mm -hmm. you hear Mike talk about it a lot now, and, and now it makes perfect sense. You know, the pathway from zero to 50 is harder than the pathway from 50 to 100. And, mm. and back then, I didn't know any of it, but when you look back on it, I realize it now is that, that pathway from zero to 50, because real estate is such a interesting dynamic, it will, it, whatever your Achilles heel is or your hang up is, it will expose it in that growth. From zero to 50, mm. it's going to expose whatever your, if you, if you can't ever delegate, if you're a, if you get really super complacent, easy, if you've got high emotion, um, if you can't ever get several sources of business in, you know, it's going to expose whatever your biggest weaknesses are, which is mm -hmm. why most people never break through 50 deals because they're exposed to that weakness and they just can't ever overcome it. So they stay under right. 50 deals, right? And yep. so that, that I recognized it for me was I, I would get complacent pretty quick. You know, you start making a little money and I would get complacent. 
And then right. the second thing is I had a hard time, I did have a hard time delegating. I wanted to control it all. And so those two issues for those first two or three years, two, three, four years right in there, kept me hovering mm -hmm. around that 50 deal mark. Mm. And so, so it kept true. knocking yeah, me you, back, knocking me back. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I always tell people when I'm coaching them now is uh, the number one thing that stops you from achieving your goals is some success on the way to more success because what you just said, you get complacent, you haven't had this. You know, I remember, you know, when you coach somebody who has never had four or five pendings at one time and then they do that, their whole perspective changes. And if you really want to do 50, 60 or more deals, you really have to get used to that kind of quickly because if you're not carrying that kind of number, it's kind of tough to do that, that, that number of deals, right? Exactly right, Rick. I mean, it's just, it's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. what so what 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 did you so you you hovered at fifty for a while and then what happened? And then I had uh, I had one the first what I would call the first real major breakthrough. Okay, um, I made some decisions financially to put myself out there, and, and I had a investor friend of mine at the time that I'd met through the business that had challenged me to start looking at investments in a in a whole different way, and so. Uh, it, it was the first thing I would th I would say that um, curved me outside of the complacency issues that we're talking about, and just put mm -hmm. me on a different path. And it was this model back then that he used to uh, he used to um, buy and kind of flip three. It wasn't really flipping like we talk about today, but he used to buy short term holds and then and turn those. And then after he would do two or three of those, he would take all the profit and he would buy one investment for cash. And he was just a very ah. disciplined, strict, like never bent or even got near his own rule. Like he just stayed on this course. And he was so wealthy and so, you know, forward thinking that that it was that that kind of a little moment in my outside life that changed the pathway of production. And then from there, I went to like 50 to 76, 77 transactions in that year because mm -hmm. everything was funneling towards the investment world. That's great. Right? That's great. Yeah. So you worked with him and then eventually you started doing your own? Yeah. I just was trying to – I was doing everything to try to follow his investment model. Uh, I also got involved in my first mastermind group. You know, before that, I was kind of a lone wolf coaching client, right, trying to do everything on my yeah. own. And then I got involved really with the first real group of other Mike Ferry agents. And so I had that, you know, you had the coaching call, but then you had your accountability and your mastermind group. And then I had this outside influence of an investor. And that combination put me in that space where I had the, where I would say the first, you know, transactional breakthrough to go from 50 to 75. Yeah, that's, that is a big jump. And then you cross 100. I think I, I yeah. went from 73, I went from 70, no, 74, excuse me, to 113. That was a gigantic, and my goal was obviously 150. I was going to double my business, <laughs> and I failed yep. miser miserably and hit 113. So what, how did you, how did you, when you, after you did that 77, what did you do next after that? It was staff after that. So, you know, uh, at that yeah. point, which is now nowadays, you know, people, you know, 35, 40 trans, well, nowadays, day one in the real estate industry, they're trained to hire buyer's agents and bring on staff, which we didn't even, 
have a clue, right, and, and didn't realize, you know, really delegation at all. And for me at that spot, I was working a lot. At 75 deals, I was just working a lot. And so it was that commitment to hiring that assistant and getting them trained. Uh, and then I had a little, I hired a runner in that same year to run around and do lock boxes and all that running around. So I made those two staff uh, growth curves and then it pushed right through into the one, into the hundreds and after that. Yeah, I remember uh, uh, going from 74 to 113, uh, building my staff, as you said, at the same time. And I remember I made more money because <laughs> I made so many mistakes, <laughs> right? The, the year I, was, I closed 74, net bottom line, because I was making mistakes and hiring people. And, and it wasn't until the following year when I went from like 113 to like 140-something where I made more money than the, than the than two years prior. So you make, you know, like I, I still look at some of us early on in the Mike Ferry organization as kind of pioneers because a lot of the mistakes made, like I had five assistants in two years right. and then i had one right. for 11 years right <laughs> so you, did you did you have some fun making mistakes in those days too oh my gosh there's so many you know you look back and you you make these basically dumb decisions at the time you know hire for the wrong reason you hire a friend because you like them and and you know right. you get along really well have has nothing to do with being able to do the job or not and then and then you have a hard time firing them because they're a friend of yours and all those things, right? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff, isn't it? <laughs> if you think about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, what, those jumps, those trans it's always fun looking back, you know, Rick, looking yeah. back on it, you can see what oftentimes Mike and some of our leaders and mentors were trying to tell us, right? Um, you You can see it looking back. In the middle of it, you're just trying to, you know, hammer out a business and, 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 you know, do some things. Right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's so much more fun. You can look back on the mistakes and, and see, and hopefully people that would be listening to this would listen to some of those and, and, you know, take a hard left turn where they don't have to, you know, lose that money or have those expenses. Right. I'll never forget right. the first, you know, you're prospecting along, you've got staff, your systems are all working pretty well. You're just hammering it out. Um, you, you know, and then you, you realize you get handed like the first real blow, which is a market shift, right? And so a market, right. for me, a market shift was a market going way up. And so the market started going red hot, which it is like it is today, right? And, you, you know, the the source that I, I had one source, expired listings, which was most right. of, you know, so many of our Mike Ferry agents, you know, they buy into the expired, which is a great fast source of business. But I was so locked in, like every imaginable detail with an expired, right? Like every little mm -hmm. nuance, every old expired, this whole thing. And then the market got red hot back then, and the expireds dried up. And I looked around, and I realized that I was standing on just a wobbly platform. I didn't, you know, I wasn't calling my past clients at all, kind of ignoring them. It was just you know, grinding out expireds, right? You know, listing seven, eight, nine, ten mm -hmm. a month, right? And and then realizing that you're 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 standing out here with no real business, right? Right. Yeah, it's kind of so like then, when the, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like when the market changes, right? Like you, you know, if you're really good at one thing, like right now, people have been good at expireds for years, but right now, 
the um, new expireds are way tougher than, let's say, old expireds. And, you know, we're in Phoenix and Scottsdale. The turnover rate there is incredible. Same with Vegas. So, you know, they they got to learn uh, to be a little bit more versatile and flexible, right? Yes. I mean, that was the grand awakening. I had made was making great money, had all this stuff. And you have the, you know, you've got staff and you've got some expenses. You have those things. You recognize the one source of business you're working isn't there. So now you're giving money back, right? Mm. Keeping all these things going and, and you're giving money back and you recognize, well, this is a mistake. And that was the that window where I realized what Mike had also been telling us, you need to have four to six sources of business at all times. Yeah. Operating, right? If you want to be safe, right? Um, and then, of yeah. course, the cardinal sin. I'd been ignoring my database, I, you know, not even keeping track of them, let alone calling them or working the, the database. I was just ignored them, right? And mm. so that was my first what I would call high production business awakening where you go, you know what, I need not only expireds, but I need a database and I need for sale by owners. And at that time, I brought in small investors and a builder. And so I started really looking at diversifying the prospecting I was doing so I was never left holding the bag with no income. Mm. Right? Yeah, you know, it's all, it always surprises me, the people I interview. I do Facebook Lives and, you know, we, we have 3,500 agents between all four of our markets. And the top producers, some of them, it's almost, um, you can tell they're embarrassed by the fact that they get a lot of repeat and referral business, but they don't actively work their database and their sphere like they could. Oh, it's probably one of the biggest, um, I think it's probably one of the biggest producer, you know, an, an agent that's producing uh, agent mistakes that's being made is is not capitalizing yeah. on that past client and center of influence database nearly like they could. I know. It's actually crazy. I don't understand it myself, but, you know, and, and then one of the things that I have to, you know, <laughs> they'll say, well, should I call them and apologize? I always joke and I go, guys, they're not, they don't have a calendar at home marking the days off that you haven't called them since they're closing. They, you know, they don't know you're supposed to be calling them. I, I was driving through your neighborhood, and I was thinking of you, and I haven't talked to you in a while. How, how are things going? There's no bad way to get in the conversation with your sphere, especially, you know, if the transaction went well. And even if it didn't, it's still a, a dynamite source to be calling and staying in touch with. Exactly, right? You know, I always joke around like uh, – you know, many, many agents have had some success. They call around a listing they have, and and they get another listing making a just-listed call, or they call just sold, and they get a listing, right? And I always think, uh, are you aware that that was somebody else's past customer? So you're, you're, <laughs> you're making just calls around a sale, and you, you pick up a listing, like, yes, I got one just listed. Well, that was somebody else's past client. And right. so is that same thing happening to your database by you not calling them? Are they being poached by all these other, you know, today's world with the technology, let's face it, you know, Zillow and the things that are out there building steam, right? right. If, if, if you're not protecting your database, there are so many places that your great customers can go snooping around and get picked up. Right. Right? I mean, it's just, Absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's tragic if you don't right now. Yeah, well, the number one awakening I have with uh, producers that have been, you know, been doing this for at least 15, 20 years is, if they haven't been calling their sphere when they do it, keeping track of the people that have moved and they didn't even know. 
So these are things that, and it's good to remember, it's a good remember when, like, in other words, don't do that again. Keep talking to your people consistently, you know, and, and I yeah. still talk about the 10% rule, the Mike Ferry 10% rule, which I think is a dynamite way to look at your database, right? Yes. Yes. And if you, if you really do the math and you, and you think about the potential for that, right? In our industry, it's one of the only places that I know of, and, and it's true in, in my world. This is my first real year since I came here to Vegas working with Mike directly that I've been out of per, what I would say pretty much out of production, right? My team and, and Connor, they take care of everything there, and I haven't sold a house this year. It's the first year wow. that I haven't been involved, right? But at the same time, I think about the amount of business that comes in that I still get referral checks on, just by having, you know, figured out that past client piece of the business and, and kept on that for 15, 18 years, right? And, right. You, you know, you, you think about how am I ever going to have this consistent income in a later spot in your career, right? Mm. You have to go out and scramble for a listing on your last day of work, right? Or do you, do you set up a plan with your database and, you know, create this communication and get some of the background things going, so that at some point you can start your year going, well, I know I'm getting 70 deals, right? That's my database. Right. My database always gives me 70. And now I have to right. decide how involved I'm going to be. Do I want to do 30 more? Do I want to do 50 more? Do I want to just do the 70? And th right. that's, that, that's that peace of mind that agents need to recognize they could start creating today. Yeah. And, and that that's such an important uh, comment too, because People think real estate is not predictable or, as Mike says, duplicatable. And it is. If you have, like, so I'm assuming you had quite a few people in your database. So what would quantify the 70 for you? How many people would you need to have in your database in order to say, look, I've got 70 in there? You know, I actually strive really hard for that 10% rule, and I never quite got yeah. there. I got to 7.5% of my database operating, okay? So I was pretty tried and true with Mike. I built it to 1,000. Well, I built – I'll take that back. I built it to, like, 2,000 and realized that I was throwing just a lot of people in there. They, they weren't yeah. real. I was throwing names in from everywhere and thought it was the way to go. You know, Yeah, I just could email them. It's simple. Why don't I just mail an email to them, right? Well, I threw those in there, and, and Mike directly approached me about it uh, at one point and said, why do you have those, you know, all those fluffy names in there that don't even know who you are, right? Right. And so I did have to purge it back. And so I purged it back about 11, 1,200 people or something like that and, and, you know, would consistently, and I mean good market, bad market, consistently get between 50 and 80 deals a year from that group of people. That's great. Yeah, you know? when I went full time, when I went full time coaching for Mike uh, in, I don't know what was it, 1996 or I think I had just around 600 people in my in my sphere, and you know, 60 work I, I call it 60 work days a quarter, 240 40 work days a year. <laughs> I had to talk to 10 a day as part of my prospecting. This becomes part of a day, right? It does. And, that, and my yep. goal was 50 contacts a day. Uh, I started at 75 for the first three years, and then it was 50 a day. And so that was 10 of my 50. And a lot of times I was doing it while I was driving around from appointment to appointment, which is, makes it even better because they can tell you're in the car. Hey, I'm going through your neighborhood. I haven't talked to you in a while. What's happening? You know, it makes it even better because people, especially 
like in the when you call somebody from your car phone, they just automatically thought it was important. Remember those? Remember those days? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, it it had to be like it, you know, in those days, the car phone was expensive, man. It would cost you some yeah. money, right? So if you're if you're calling yeah. from there, it must be big time, right now, right? Yeah. But it yeah. it's um it's amazing, and you know, the agents we coach today in the Mike Ferry system, you know, uh. It's interesting, we, this year we did some research and we had the highest number of our existing coaching clients had their best income year ever in 2020. Mm. Yeah. The highest number ever, so percentage-wise, right? And so we looked at that and go, why? Well, yes, the market's up and prices are up and everything sells and all that, but it was COVID and, and yeah. lockdown and all these things. And we said, well, why is it? And you know, the agents, many, many, many of the agents we work with uh, zeroed in on their database and they simply yeah. had a place to go. What can I do to help you? Right. And, you know, our thought is today is that virtually every person walking around on the planet has had some change of idea about their future mm. because of this last year. Yeah. Something. You know, I'm going to stay here forever. I thought I was going, but I'm staying yeah, here forever. Right. Or I thought I was staying for here forever, now I'm going. We need to get a right. vacation home. Like, there, there was something, right? And so if you're not right. talking to people, like, you know, my biggest thing now is if you're not talk, if you don't talk to enough people now, it'll yeah. be one of your biggest regrets you'll have in real estate. Mm. It's just That's not a good talking point, to too. enough yeah. people. Yeah, and you know, I, as a company, we had one of our best years ever. And, you know, at the end of March, we were on pace to do that. And then, obviously, the pandemic happened. April, May were cut down quite a bit. June was okay. And then July was like 110% and, and, and all the way through like that. And I think to, to, we have several agents here who had their best year ever, especially from a money standpoint. Because I think a lot of them stopped spending as much money and then they realize I guess I really don't need that or I don't need this or and I can net more of the money I'm making so I think and I think people learn to save a little bit more too with the pandemic because they couldn't spend as much I think a lot you know the pandemic was terrible horrific horrendous but I think people learned some things out of it too oh for sure we I think we all did and so did the public all learn some things and if we you know for us to capitalize on that as a good solid you know resource to the public would be to ask why what you know what has changed since the pandemic in your real estate world what thoughts have changed for you what's different uh what what is your has your plan changed in any way since over the last year and a half and virtually everyone has had some kind of a change which just opens the door to real estate transactions absolutely absolutely my man well yeah. listen we're almost there I, I i'll just put in a plug for the mike ferry organization you know awesome training i've i've I was very fortunate to be one of the first people in, and I think you were in that group too of 50, was yep. after, he, yep. after the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> yep. yep. He opened it. Do you remember the days that we had to send in our numbers on fax machine? Do you remember those days? Yes. yes. <laughs> Every Friday. So much fun. Or he sent out to the other group, who you'd see Karen's name, your name, and you would see who actually submitted their numbers and what they were. Do you remember that? That was awesome. I love yep. that. Now, that's accountability in those days. Woo. Well, I have to mention one more thing. You have to tell them the amount of days you went uh, achieving your prospecting goal in a row, continuously. So I had a streak. It was 3,671 days, 
and it was days that I would lay out. It was, I would always lay out between uh, 230 and 250 prospecting days a year. I would lay them out in advance by the day, right? And I went that streak uh, without missing one of those planned days. That's amazing. The Cal Ripken of prospecting, as Mike says. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I figured on about 240 days, and sometimes I did a little bit more, but that was my minimum uh, as well. Well, Tony, I just want to say I know you're busy, and we, I really appreciate you, Tony Smith, from the Mike Ferry Organization, everybody, and taking your time out this morning, Tony. Thank you very much, my man. Look forward to working with you in the future. Let's keep it rolling. Thank you, Rick. Anytime, anywhere. I appreciate what you're doing out there. Thank you. I appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Have All a good right, one. Take care. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye.